Turn with me in the word to 2 Corinthians, the ninth chapter. 2 Corinthians 9 and verse 6. He said, uh, this I say, he which sows sparingly shall reap also sparingly. He which sows bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Now, if you look at this eighth chapter and this ninth chapter, he's talking about offerings. He was talking about them taking an offering to some people. And verse 7, every man according as he purposes in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. The Lord is not going to make us do anything. In fact, he said, I don't want you giving grudgingly. I don't want you giving because you think you have to. You know, it has been taught and preached in some places. You know, if you don't give, if you don't tithe, if you don't do this, God's going to get you. And you can give offerings out of fear. Like paying protection money. <laughs> like somebody coming by and saying, you know, hey, we want to sell you some insurance. You go, hey, I don't need any insurance. And they pull out a bat and go, yeah, you do. <laughs> <laughs> you actually do. <laughs> and you need it from us. And so people, you know, they don't want to pay that protection money, but they think, man, if I don't, my shop's going to get tore up. This is going to happen. This is going to happen. And people think that way about God. You know, boy, you better you better pay that offering. You better get it in there. That's why, you know, your car's going to break and this is going to happen. Something's going to happen to your house and you're going to get sick. And... The Lord does not want us doing things out of fear. Did he say so? Should we take him seriously about this? He does not want us giving grudgingly. He does not want us giving because we think we have to. What kind of giver does God love? That means you're happy about it. Nobody's making you. Nobody's twisting your arm. Nobody's telling you a sad story or putting any pressure on you. Hmm? You want to. You want to. It's not just about giving. It's about wanting to give. It's about a heart. Hallelujah. Not just about serving God. Not just about going to church. It's about wanting to. Wanting to. Desiring to. Being glad. Nobody forced me to come preach to you tonight. Nobody forced me to go to the prison this week. Preach to them guys. I wanted to. I want to. I'm glad to. I I got one of the best jobs in the world. I'm happy. Right? I am. I got such a great job. Other people tell me, ah, the ministry must be so hard. All the pressure you got. All these things. I don't know what they're talking about. I'm having fun. I preach over here. I preach over there. Fly over here. Preach over here. Preach over there. I get up in the morning, look at Phyllis. I said, am I flying or preaching? (laughs) Sometimes it's both. It's wonderful. Why? Because the truth will make you free. Hallelujah. And since I've learned how to trust him as my source, I'm not looking to anybody to meet our needs. I'm not pulling on anybody. I'm not negotiating with anybody. I'm not trying to make any deals. It's so wonderful. So freeing. Can you say amen? How many think every believer is supposed to live this way? 
every believer is supposed to be free. And I'm not saying I've arrived. I'm, I'm, I'm ready to learn more about it. But I know it's so much better than it used to be. He goes on to say. Keep reading. Verse 7 again. Each man should give what he's decided in his heart to give. I'm reading the NIV now. Not reluctantly or under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you. So that in all things. At all times. Having all that you need. You will abound in every good work. That is a powerful word. Isn't it? It's New Testament. Does it belong to you? Could you say absolutely. This is the will of God for every believer. What's the will of God for every believer? Confess it over yourself. Say God is well able. To make all grace abound to me. So that in all things. At all times. Having all that I need. I will abound. I will abound. In every good work. Does that sound like poverty to you? No. Does that sound like lack? No. Coming up short? No. Now I know religion has taught that, you know, being poor is connected to being holy. And that you can't have any money or stuff without it tainting you and making you worldly and ungodly and, and evil. And really, to really be close to God, you have to get rid of all that money and substance and stuff. And people get up and sing songs. You know, I don't want any of this world's goods. Well, give them to me then. I want a bunch of them. I don't have to be ungodly to have goods and stuff. It's not the same thing. People say, well, money is the root of all kinds of evil. The Bible did not say that. It said the love of the money. And you can have the love of money and not have a dime. Some of the most covetous people around are folks that don't have anything. <laughs> no, there's been a lot of confusion in this area. And so we're talking about abounding ability. And first of all, to get settled that it is God's will. Let me read this to you in the, uh, well, let's keep reading in the NIV. Verse 9, it says, as it is written, he has scattered abroad his gifts to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. We've had people want to get up in arms and go, well, you're supposed to help the poor. Absolutely. With what? You're not supposed to have anything, but you're supposed to help the poor. That doesn't work. Right? You've got to have something. You've got to have extra. Verse 10 He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be made rich in every way. Right? So that you can just stockpile and take it easy. No. No. So that you can what? Be generous on every occasion, this sounds like giving. This is giving. Why do you need so much? So you can give so much. So that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Hallelujah. You know, I talked about sowing that 
sound equipment to those guys in prison this week. And that's just one small example. But they were so happy. Weren't they, Rob? Weren't they so? They were so happy about that. They had their faith on a mic stand. They were believing God, they told us, for a mic stand. So that one of the guys wouldn't have to stand and be a mic stand. (laughs) They've been doing this for I don't know how long. And so we told them, you're getting a mic stand. In fact, you're getting two mic stands. In fact, you're getting two microphones, the good ones. And you're getting the long cables. In fact, you're also getting the speakers. And you're getting the stand. And you're getting the mixing board. And the oh, I mean, as it went on, they just were like, oh, glory to God. Oh, glory to God. They're ready to preach. They're ready to shout. They're ready. It encouraged them. And I know they're thanking God. And then when the other guys find out, they're going to thank God. Do you want to be involved in some things where people are thanking God long after you leave and they're thanking God the next week and the next month and the next year? Well, you're going to have to have more than just enough to pay your electric bill. You're going to have to have more than just enough to meet your bare minimum needs, aren't you? You're going to need some surplus, some extra More than enough. Can you say amen? Amen. Thank you Lord. Go to John 10.10. Well if we don't hurry up and read our text. How are we going to get to the rest of this? John 10.10. The thief comes not Jesus said. But for to steal and to kill and to destroy. So if something was killed in your life. Who did it? Please, please get this straight. There are millions of Christians, good church going people, and they're blaming God. You know, things were destroyed. Things were killed. Things were stolen. And they say, well, we just don't understand. God's, he's mysterious in his ways. No, no, no. If it killed, if it stole, if it destroyed, Jesus said it was the thief. Is God the thief? No, he's not. There's a devil. And all of our problems are the result of us and him. Not our God. God has never been our problem. He's our answer. He's our answer. Jesus said, I am come that they might have life. And that they might have it more abundantly. The Amplified says, I came that they may have and enjoy life and have it in abundance to the full till it overflows. Does that sound like poverty? Eking by, scraping by. It does not. When it overflows, that was excess. If it was full to the brim, that would be enough. But when it runs over the top, that's more than enough. Didn't the 23rd Psalm talk about that too? What? He prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. What else happens? What? My cup runneth over. Say that out loud two or three times. My cup runneth over. Say it again. My cup runneth over. Hallelujah. When we, you and us, 
Branson Church and More Life Ministry Partners, when we sowed that surplus seed into Kenneth Copeland Ministries and all their outreaches just a few weeks ago, we were praying about it over the phone with them. And he got to hollering, running over, running over, running over. Spirit of God threw it, moved on. He began to say, running over. He must have said it a dozen times, running over. Well, isn't that what we sowed? Surplus seed? What is surplus? I think we ought to say this around the house and on the road and in the washroom and just every once in a while and this needs to pop out of your mouth. Running over. Running over. Is it scriptural? Is it biblical? Is it God? God never changes. If he ever said running over, he's still saying running over. He said light be. That's still working. Well, running over is still working too. Say it out loud. It'll be a code between us. Running over. You just look at somebody and go, running. Over. <laughs> running over. And you know what we're talking about. Running over. Running over. Running over. It's not enough to just log it in your mental library. Say it. Say it over and over. It gets in your spirit. You begin to get excited about it. Faith comes by hearing. And hear it by the word of God. Say it again. Running over. Running over. Running over. Running over. Have you given? Have you given? Then what did Jesus say? Give and it shall be given to you. Good measure. Pressed down, shaken together. It didn't stop there. It went on to running over, running over, running over. It's Bible. It's Old Testament. It's New Testament. It's Psalms. It's Luke. It's God. <laughs> I about preach myself happy in here tonight. Running over. Somebody say running over, running over, running over, running over. That's excess. That's surplus. The word here that's translated abundantly, also that's translated there in that 2 Corinthians 9 where it talks about abounding. Several words in the New Testament are from that root word and it basically means excessive. One definition says super abundant. Well, abundant is plenty. But this word means more than that. Which is why you got to put super on the front of it. Right? <laughs> if it's fast, that's good. But if it's super fast, <laughs> you get there 15 minutes earlier than everybody else. <laughs> Somebody say super abundant. Another definition says it's enough and more. It is super abundant in the sense of beyond. Beyond is a definition of it. And it, this word is translated in the same New Testament over and above. Enough and to spare. Are we seeing the meaning? It's more than enough. 
I know we've kicked that phrase around until we don't pay as much attention maybe as we should have. But what does it mean more than enough? Running over. Yeah, enough. Enough is everything met, everything done. We're talking about more than that. And it's, I don't believe it's just me hollering and talking about it. I believe it's the Spirit of God has been speaking to us for weeks now about this from His Word. Do you believe it? That His will is not just enough. His will is more than enough. More than enough. And I know some people, you know, have a problem with that. But how are you going to do for other people if all you ever have is enough? You can't. You can't. And the more you have above enough, well, that's your ministry. I said, that's your ministry. Isn't it? Another definition is, I think we've already said it, but excessive, but then also surplusage. 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 Go with me, please, to the book of Luke, the 16th chapter. Luke 16. Now, we can't review everything that we've covered in these previous weeks, or it would take a long time, and we wouldn't get to it any additional parts, but they are available to you at no charge. If you want to get the previous parts of this, go back in the back to the Word Supply, go online, you can download it, it won't cost you anything, free of charge. And how many would would, uh, encourage them it would be worth their time to hear it and receive it? And check me out, follow me close, see if it's just my opinion, or if I just got confused about something, or if it really is Scripture in the Word. In Luke, the 16th chapter, Jesus made a statement, and there's something that we need to to go further into, talking about abounding ability. Luke 16, and down in about verse 13, Jesus said, no servant can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Another way of saying it would be the God of money. Said out loud, you cannot serve two masters. Now in verse 14, it says the Pharisees also, which were what? Covetous. Covetous. Did you know that Colossians tells us that covetousness is idolatry? Covetousness is idolatry. This is the distinction that the church so needs to make is between money and things and love of money and covetousness. Jesus said, we're here in the 16th chapter, if you back up to the, uh, I believe it's the 12th chapter, he cautioned us and warned us about covetousness. Luke 12, 15. 12, 15. Jesus said, take heed and beware of covetousness, for a man's life consisteth not 
in the abundance of the things which he possesses. And then he goes on telling the parable of the man, the rich man, whose ground brought forth plenty, plentifully, verse 17. And the man said within himself, what will I do? I've got no room to bestow all my fruits. And he said, this is what I'll do. I'll pull down my barns and build greater. There will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. And I will say to my soul, surely you have much goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. God said to him, you fool, this night your soul will be required of you. Then whose shall those things be which you have provided? So is he that lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Psalms talked about people who were rich in the world. And here he said rich toward God. That word toward, that same Greek word is also translated in. Rich in the world versus rich in God. Two different things. The problem is not stuff and money. The problem is one's priorities. And what you love the most. And what you seek the most. And there has been some misunderstanding and some misapplication of scriptures that deal with prosperity. And some have focused on them to the exclusion of other things. And there are some folks, Christians and preachers, that their focus is too much on the money and stuff for themselves. It's quiet in here. You think it's the truth or not? Is the money the problem? No. Is stuff the problem? Having a nice church, having a nice house, having a nice car, plenty of clothes and plenty of money. Is that the problem? It's not the problem. But seeking that stuff more than God is a problem. I said it's a problem. Thinking about it, longing for it, desiring it more than you do God and his plan for your life is a big problem. And you cannot serve two masters. Let me go ahead and say this. We'll talk about it a little bit later on. You can't be career-minded and kingdom-minded. You can't be getting rich-minded and kingdom-minded. Both of those can't be front and center. Anybody with me? You can't be climbing the ladder minded, giving that your full focus and attention, and be kingdom minded. One of them is going to get in the way of the other, and the one that means the most to you, the other one's just going to be a nuisance to you. Until eventually you go, I, I can't fool with that, I got to do this. Now there's a lot of things that can be in our life without them being our priority. Jesus said, let's read it again. 12, 15. What did Jesus say? Take heed. What does take heed mean? Watch out. Listen, pay attention. Watch out and beware. Of what? If the Lord tells you to watch out for this, what should you do? What is covetousness? Well, Colossians said it's idolatry. 
there's a strong similarity between praying to a statue and caring more about money and stuff than you do God. Because both of them have to do with putting something ahead of him and above him. And it is a big issue. It's a very big issue. Go with me, if you would, over to 1 Timothy, please. 1 Timothy, the 6th chapter. We've been talking about surplus. And the last couple of sessions we've been talking about why Christians haven't had surplus. If it's the will of God for us to have surplus, and he's well able to cause us to experience surplus, then why would it be that so many have not been experiencing it? And we've gone over several reasons. One of them is not putting him first. And this comes back to that, doesn't it? Not putting him first. And another one we talked about is waste. Waste. You know, no matter how much you have come in, you can still be in the hole. If you have a 150% increase in your income in the next couple of years, but you have a 200% increase in spending, (laughs) you're not doing better. (laughs) You can just be increasing in debt every month, even though you got a huge amount coming in. It's not just about getting more coming in. That is part of it. It's not all of it. I said it's not all of it. I know uh, some years ago the Lord spoke to my heart about a certain area that applies to this. It seemed like to me I didn't have enough time to do everything that needed to be done. I was speaking at that point in my life. One week I think I spoke 25 times. That's a lot. That's a lot. And there were some other things that were going on. And at one point, I kind of came back and plopped down in my chair. And I thought, Lord, it just seems like I don't have enough time to do all this. I need time for this. And I need time for that. I need time for the other. And he spoke to my heart. I don't mean I heard a voice, but inside me very distinctly. He said, son, if you don't have plenty of time, To do everything I'm directing you to do. You are wasting time. You are wasting time. When he said that to me. At first I didn't like it. (laughs) I kind of sat back and thought. Lord. So much of this stuff I'm doing. For you. Ah. Key phrase there. You can do a bunch of stuff that's in your mind for him that he never told you to do. And here's the thing. If you spend it, whether it's money or hours, on the wrong thing, will you still have it to spend on the right thing? You can't spend the same money twice. You can't spend the same time 
twice on two different things. Once it's spent, in fact, time is much more precious than money. Because it's possible to get some more money, but time, once it's spent, you can't respend it a different way. You can be wiser about the time you got left, but you can't respend it. And it is a trick of the enemy to spend both time and money on things you shouldn't be spending it on. They may be good things. You might have good intentions. You might have a good heart about it. And yet you can totally miss God doing it. Because he didn't direct you to do it. He didn't direct you to be involved with it. And if the enemy can get you sidetracked with enough of these things, you've got a continuous drain. And if you make commitments and monthly commitments and quarterly commitments and and annual commitments over the years, they add up. They accumulate until you've got this big drain, this big suction. And you can just assume because you've done them for months or years or whatever, I'm supposed to be doing them. And a lot of times you are never supposed to begin doing it. Even though it's a good thing. You are not the provider. You are not the source. You are no one's source. Let that sink in just a moment. Well, I'm my family's source. No, you are not. No. God is your source and my source and their source. We all have the same Source. Don't let anybody make you their source. It's bad for them. It's bad for you. And it can be a trick of the enemy. I said it can be a trick of the enemy to drain you. And you get enough of these kind of things going on, then you will be in perpetual shortage. And the truth is, you got plenty. If you were only doing what he told you to do, You'd have surplus. You believe it or not? Unauthorized involvements. First Timothy. Let's see. First Timothy 6 9. They that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and hurtful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. The New Living Testament says, people who long to be rich fall into temptation and are trapped by many foolish and harmful desires that plunge them into ruin and destruction. The Amplified says, those who crave to be rich fall into these temptation and snare. Perishing, ruin, destruction, hurtful desires. I believe in prosperity. I believe in having plenty. But it's not my main goal in life to have a bunch of stuff and a bunch of money or houses and cars. That is not my main pursuit. And if it becomes your main pursuit, you're going to do it apart from God. And you chase stuff other than Him, even if you get it, it's going to hurt you. It's going to hurt you. Listen to Ecclesiastes 5. You don't necessarily have to turn there, but Ecclesiastes 5, verse 10. 
I'm going to read this out of God's Word translation. Ecclesiastes 5.10 says, Whoever loves money will never be satisfied with money. Whoever loves wealth will never be satisfied with more income. Even this is pointless. The Lord directed me some years ago to use the word love sparingly. And to not use it in connection with any things. I don't love cars. I don't love food. I love God. I love people. And that's pretty much it. Where love is concerned. I can appreciate things. I can enjoy things. But I don't love them. I don't love them. Because loving these things. Will get you off. Take you away from him. Take you away from his plan. Keep reading. Verse 11. As the number of goods increase. So do the number of people who consume them. And what do owners gain from all their goods. Except the opportunity to look at them. The sleep of working people is sweet, whether they eat a little or a lot. But the full stomachs that rich people have will not allow them to sleep. There's a lot of folks, they got a lot of stuff. They got a lot of investments. They got a lot of things going on. But they really don't have a better quality of life. In fact, they're scared somebody's going to get it. They're scared the market's going to go down. They're scared this. They're scared that. Living in fear. Living in torment. Having a bunch of stuff is not the child of God's ultimate goal in life. No. Keep reading. He said, there's a painful tragedy I've seen under the sun. Riches lead to the downfall of those who hoard them. Now see, this tells you this is not a child of God walking with him because you're not just going to stockpile stuff, you're going to give. Can you see this? You're going to give. These hoarded riches were then lost in bad business deals. And the owners had children, but now they have nothing to give them. What did the Bible say, though? A good man leaving inheritance to his children's children. They came from their mother's womb naked, and they'll leave as naked as they came. This is quoted in the New Testament, isn't it? They won't even be able to take a handful of their earnings with them from all their hard work. This is a painful tragedy. They leave exactly as they came. What advantage do they gain from working so hard for the win? See, that's what that guy that Jesus was talking about. I mean, he's acting like this life was all there is and that his focus in life was getting himself set so that he'd never have to work, never eat anything. And the Lord told him, you're dying tonight, man. You're out of here this evening. (laughs) His focus was wrong. What should we seek first and foremost? The kingdom. Kingdom of God. Somebody say kingdom minded. Colossians said set your affection on things above. Not on those things that are beneath down here. Everything down here is temporary. Temporary. The cars, the houses, the clothes, the stuff. Temporary. So temporary. 
None of that stuff's going to matter soon and very soon. And yet, it can be used to bless people and help people. That's its ultimate use. Not in stockpiling, but in blessing. Can you say amen? Amen. Thank you, Lord. 1 Timothy 6, that same chapter that talks about, you know, loving money and people seeking it and craving it and getting into all kind of trouble and hurt and destruction. But the very same chapter, 1 Timothy 6, 17, tells you, some people would read that and say, well, see, you're not supposed to have any money and you're better off not having anything. Well, they didn't even read the rest of the chapter. If you read the rest of the chapter, you see that he says, verse 17, charge them that are rich in this world. That would have been the perfect place to say, to get rid of all them old nasty worldly riches. Because you can't serve God with all, no, but he didn't, he didn't say that. He said that they be not what? The challenge is, the more stuff you get, don't get snooty. Don't get, get your nose in the air. Thinking you're something different now because you got a fancy car, because you got a bigger house. No, you're the same old guy. You're the same old gal. Yeah, right? Which is to say the same new creature. That doesn't change you. That doesn't make you anything. What it does is amplify your ability. If you're a sinner, now you can sin bigger. (laughs) But if you're a giver, now you can give bigger. Right? It just amplifies your ability. To express what you are. Keep reading. Charge them that are rich in this world. That they be not high minded. Nor trust in uncertain riches. But in the living God. Who what? Not who doesn't want you to have anything. Who gives us richly. All things to enjoy. So that what? That they what? So we can do good. So we can be. Rich in good works, ready to distribute, willing to communicate. That means to share, to share. How can you do this with no surplus? He's talking about being rich in ability to do this. And when you do it, verse 19, laying up in store for themselves a good foundation against the time to come that they may lay hold on eternal life. This is talking about some serious giving and some amazing reward. Is that the will of God? Well, you're going to have to have some ability to do that. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Go with me please. To 2 Timothy. You're there close by. Just a page or so. To the second chapter. 2 Timothy 2. We're continuing to answer the question. Why. A lot of God's people don't have surplus. Whether it's me. You. Just because it might have been that way in the past doesn't mean it has to be that way in the future. And we need to find out what needs to be changed so that the surplus can flow. Because we're believing for running over. How about you? We believing for what? Running over. Running over. Well, a lot of people, you know, would like for you to just say, well, just pray for me and say, pooh, be running over. 
and I'll be running over the rest of my life and I'll never have to change anything. Well, that just ain't the Bible. Remember, we started off this thing talking about being a doer. Well, you do need to give. You do need to have faith. You do need to make confessions. But these other scriptures are just as true. We need to cut off the unauthorized involvements. And our focus needs to be first priority, his kingdom. His kingdom. He talks about this. 2 Timothy 2, verse 1. He says, Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that you have heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Are we to have a soldier mentality in the kingdom? Yes, we are. And he focuses in on this mentality in the very next verse. When he says, no man that wars does what? Entangles himself with the affairs of this life. That are in order that he may please him who has chosen him to be a soldier. If a man strive for masteries, he's not crowned except he strive lawfully. Other translations say according to the rules. This would be like Olympic games. You have to keep the rules in the competition. Verse 6. Also, he says, the husband, the farmer that labors must be first partaker of the fruits. How's the farmer going to do? He's going to do ever how his crop does. The better crop he has, the better off he's going to be. His wealth, his prosperity is connected to the crop. Verse 7. Consider what I say and the Lord give you understanding in all things. Let me read another translation of this previous verse here. He said in the living translation. As Christ's soldier, do not let yourself become tied up in worldly affairs, for then you cannot satisfy the one who has enlisted you in his army. The easy to read says, a soldier wants to please his commanding officer, so he does not spend any time on activities that are not part of his duty. Today's English version says, a soldier on active duty wants to please his commanding officer and so does not get mixed up in the affairs of civilian life. Are you on active duty? (laughs) You think so? Serving the Lord in the kingdom. You on active duty? The soldiers on active duty, do they have different involvements, different schedules than civilians? Yeah, they do. Go over here and ask these guys. Are you on active duty? Huh? The Lord soldier? Are you? Some say, well, I'm retired. (laughs) From him? You're retired from the kingdom? I'm not on active duty. I'm in the reserves. I'm going to stand by. Really? 
Really? See, this is an issue. This is an issue because folks have all these other involvements that are not kingdom related. I'm not saying you can't have any fun or can't do anything, but you got to watch about all your time and all your energies and your money in all these involvements that really have nothing to do with the kingdom. Because it can be a trick of the enemy that you've spent so much time and so much energy and so much money on this that you don't have any available for kingdom pursuits and kingdom involvements. It's a trick of the enemy. You believe it's a trick of the enemy? It's a trick. Entangled. Entangled. Involved. I know that, you know, a lot of folks' flesh may not want to meditate on this. Because if you become a doer of this, it's going to require real changes. Hmm? Real changes. But, would it be worth making some changes? To get rid of the drains and have plenty of time and plenty of energy and plenty of strength and plenty of money with extra to do what you should be doing. What he wants you to be doing. Remember what he told me about that time thing? If I don't have plenty of time to do what he's directed me to do, what I was doing, he said, you're wasting time. And at first I thought, ma, huh. There's only 24 hours in a day. But the more I got to praying about it, the more I got to seeing, I thought that was a good thing to do, but he never told me to do that. I thought, well, this, you know, this is great. They wanted to do it. And you got to watch about letting other people lead you. It's a good idea. It's a great opportunity. It's a, that doesn't make it a leading of the Lord for you. And it's a danger. What does a good soldier do? He doesn't get entangled. What do they do? They don't entangle themselves in all the affairs of this life that he may please him who's chosen him. There's a truth here that if we're consistently coming up short, certainly it's God's will that we have more coming in. But you can have a 50% increase in income. That does not mean you're going to be blessed and have surplus. If you've got a 55% increase in what's going out, what we're involved in, what we're spending, what we're doing. Somebody say good soldier. Unentangled. Unentangled. Go to Titus, please. You're there close by. Titus 2. I know some things don't make you run the aisle and shout. But some of those things, if you do them, you do a lot of running and shouting later. Somebody say unentangled. Unentangled. Titus, the second chapter, the ninth verse. Exhort servants to be obedient to their own masters. Do we have a master? How many masters can you serve? Not two. Not two. Just one. Now that doesn't mean 
that you can't work a job, that you could never go fishing, that you could never play a game of golf. It doesn't mean that. But you do have to watch about doing so much of these things that you got no time for the other. Don't you? You do have to watch that. You can get so entangled and embroiled in stuff and your life can get so full of it that you're worn out when it comes time to do anything for the Lord. Wonder how that worked out. You can get so many things going that when it comes time to give on this project or that, you just don't have it. Wonder how that worked out that way. And it just keeps working out that way time after time. What does that mean? It means the enemy is deceiving you. He's tricking you. Keeping you perpetually in a place of lack. Do you want to know the truth? What will the truth do for you? It will make us free. We have a master. Should we be checking in with him on everything? We looked at this, what was it, a week or so ago, but we need to put it up again. Stay right where you are in the New Testament, but put up on the screen for us, please, Proverbs 3 and 5. Proverbs 3, 5, trust in the Lord with what? A-L-L, your heart, lean not to your own. Well, I think this and I think that. Well, that don't count for so much with God. (laughs) Don't lean to your own understanding. What, verse 6? In all your ways, acknowledge him. How many of those soldiers on active duty do not wake up about 1130? (laughs) And go and sit down and get some grub and go, what do you want to do today? What do you want to do today? (laughs) Oh, we're having fun now, aren't we? Huh? I don't know. What do you want to do? They don't have to ask that question. They got orders. I said they got orders. And a lot of it's not something you might choose to do that day. But hey, you're a soldier in active duty. And you got to endure hardness sometimes to get your job done. You got to roll out. You got to go places you might not want to go. Do things you might not want to do. Does God need good soldiers in his kingdom? You reckon he's got a lot of folks in the church that's not on active duty. (laughs) They're just here. They come. They like the grub. They like the provision. Oh, yeah. But active duty, uh, no. (laughs) But that can be a reason why of coming up short. Coming up short, right? Coming up short. He said, uh, exhort servants to be obedient to their own masters, to please them well in all things, not answering again, not back talking, and not what? Purloining. Anybody know what purloining is? Purloining. The Amplified says, tell them not to steal by taking things of small value. To purloin means to appropriate wrongfully. It's also translated pilfer, which means to steal stealthily in small amounts. Over again and again. Did you know that Jesus' own ministry had a leak? The Bible said that Judas was a thief. 
And he carried the bag. The NAS says he used to pilfer what was put into it. The Living Bible says he dipped into it. The NIV says he helped himself. (laughs) Not too heavy so as to be noticed. They had to have extra, didn't they? Because if you only got $3 in the bag and somebody takes one, everybody's going to know it. Right? And they gave to the poor. They fed people, didn't they? You know, at the table when he said, you know, when Judas went out, it said a lot of the guys thought he was going out to give something to the poor that we were in need. Apparently he did this on a regular basis at the Lord's direction. And they had enough that he is embezzling and it wasn't readily noticed. A leak. A drain. You get enough drains, you're going to come up short, aren't you? This is a problem. The enemy is a thief. Did you know that? He's a thief. What's he always trying to do? He's trying to tap you. Isn't he? To create another drain. Get something going here. Getting enough of it going. Then when it comes time for you to do something for the Lord, you don't have the strength. You don't have the time. You don't have the money. You wish you could, but you just can't. Said out loud, I am not. Ignorant of Satan's devices. I have the mind of Christ. I know all of this is not just, you know, make you want to shout when you hear it. But I'm telling you, I'm excited because I believe the Lord's doing a great thing in us. He's going to help us. He's showing us some things. We're going to make some adjustments. And we're going to get to a place where we have ability like we have never had before. Not just to go on every vacation we ever thought we might go. Not just to get a three more new cars. Ability though to have everything we need and abound. Amen. Come on, abound Amen. toward others. Abound toward kingdom business. Abound toward helping somebody else. If everybody saw and knew these things, there'd be abounding ability everywhere. And it's not. Because the devil, he wants you and me to be in such a place of lack. He doesn't want you to be so sick, you don't feel like going to help somebody. He wants you to be so broke, you couldn't afford to if you wanted to. It's a trick. It's bondage. It's a lie. Oh, but in the beginning days of the church, when they all got filled with the Holy Spirit, have you read about that? Man, money began to flow, and the Bible's the giving like you never heard about until not one person in the church had any lack. Could God do that again? Could it happen again? And it's not because they demanded and said, well, yeah, you rich people, you, you got to give. No, no, that's a lie. Trying to take something from anybody is the devil. These people, Nobody's making them give. Nobody's pulling on them. They're doing it because they're directed of the Lord. They're doing it because they love Him. And He's put them in a position to have abounding ability. Somebody say glory to God. Oh, somebody say glory to God. When you don't spend it on something you shouldn't, you will have it on the thing you should. That's simple, but 
we celebrated this project being completed tonight. How many think that money that came in that's designated for that should only go to that? Would it be okay for me and Phyllis to buy some new cars with the money that was designated for the paid and full? Are you sure? You should see some of the looks I'm getting across the country. You better not. Are you sure? How many remember Jesus said, Render unto God the things that are God's, and unto Caesar the things that are Caesar's. Is there money that is God's? Would preachers be totally wrong to take that money that's God's and spend on themselves? Well, how about you? I said, how about you? Is any of the stuff that comes through your hands, is it God's? Well, is it okay for you to buy a new car with it? Or spend it on your house or your clothes? Do you know what's his and what's yours? Do you? If you expect me to know the difference, (laughs) why can't you know the difference? I agree with you wholeheartedly that it'd just be absolutely devilish for us, me and Phyllis, to take anything that was designated for the church, which is why we absolutely do not. But what's good for the preacher is good for the preachees. These verses are not pastor verses, they're not preacher verses, they're believer verses. They're everybody verses. And oh friend, it is the truth that if you get serious about rendering unto God what is God's and putting him first, what did he say? Well, Malachi, what did it say? Malachi 3, talking about the tithes. He said, would a man rob God? He said it three times. He said, you've robbed me. And they said, where? When did we ever rob you? He said, in tithes and offerings. Didn't he say it? He said it. And you got millions of folks that think, you know, well, my money's my money. I worked hard for it. And in their mind, none of it's God's. It's all mine. So they're not acknowledging that if they hadn't been created, they could never have made any money. If God hadn't given them health and strength, they could have never had any money. They're acting like I pulled myself up by my own bootstraps. Everything I've done, I have done myself. I am a self-made man. That's a big old lie. It's just not true. If you know the truth and you believe the truth, you acknowledge that I'd have nothing except for God's goodness. Every good thing I have, every blessing I have came from Him. It's by His hand, it's by His grace that I have another day, that I have an opportunity, that I made a sale, that a contract went through. Come on, are you listening to me? Everything. And because of that, I ought to bring a portion and say, Lord, here's yours. You're saying through action, I couldn't have anything unless He allowed me to and gave it to me. And we shouldn't stop there. What does Proverbs 3.6 say? 3.6, what does it say? Sometimes on Sunday morning. What? Once in a while when you get praying real hard and become... No, in all your ways acknowledge Him. He shall direct your paths. What is it going to talk about? 
Don't be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord. Depart from evil. What else will happen? It'll be health to your navel. Marrow to your bones. Keep reading. Honor the Lord with your substance and with all the first fruits of all your increase. What will happen? Your barns will be filled with plenty and it'll keep going. Your presses are what? What's busting out? That's running over. Right? But it started with in all your ways. We are not supposed to be involved in unauthorized endeavors and involvements. I am not my own. You are not your own. I have a boss. I have a Lord. I'm supposed to think like a soldier. I'm not supposed to just do whatever crosses my mind and whatever I want to do at any time. I'm supposed to check with him on everything. Is it true? Everything. Should I do this? Should I be a part of that? Should I spend money on that? Should I, you know, make a commitment to this? Should I make a commitment to that? And if we would check with him on everything and let the wisdom of God lead us and direct us, do you believe we could get rid of all the waste and get rid of all the drains and all the stuff? Getting involved in one wrong thing could be an open door to the enemy for problems lawsuits. Are you listening to me? It could be an avenue for the enemy to come in and steal your money, steal your profit, steal your increase. I know a lot of folks didn't hear it in growing up in church, but listen, friend, we have a responsibility to pray and check in with the Lord and be led on things. It takes more than just making a random good confession and asking God to protect you. He will protect us if we listen. I said, if we listen. And every day we need to check in. Should I do this? Should I not do that? Should I do the other? Go to Psalm 112 in closing. Then we're going to pray a prayer. You still believe it's God's will to have surplus? You believe he has heard our prayers and showing us how to get this? This is answered prayer tonight. This is how to get there. How to get there. Psalm 112. Phyllis and I were thanking the Lord today as we looked over this project that's been completed this past week. There were so many places we could have spent hundreds of thousands more and it would have been wasted. Every job, every part, Rob and Dan, Dave and Phyllis and everybody that was out here, none of the time did we just say, ah, just take care of it. That'd be easy. They got tired at times. You get tired of having to look at everything. It's tiring. You know. And Phyllis. She stayed up nights reading contracts. And she'd catch things. She caught things that professionals didn't catch. Because of the Holy Ghost. And she said no I'm not agreeing to this. This has to be changed. No we're not doing that. And it was protecting the church. Protecting your finances. I don't know if you've done a large building project before, but man, costs can just go out the window. I'm telling you, because little things, because you multiply it times 100,000, times 2,000, times this, nickels and dimes add up. Right? And dollars. And we were just thanking God today because we got something. We got a good place here. 
and we got top-notch stuff, but we didn't blow money. We didn't waste money. And because of that, you had it. Oh, can you see this, saints? Can you hear? I'm not telling you we've always done everything perfect. I'm sure we've made mistakes. But he's helped us enough that we didn't wind up in giant holes or the project going on for years and it couldn't be completed because of them. That's the mercy of God. It's the goodness of God. And he is, how many love the Holy Ghost is available to everybody? Every child of God has the director, has the helper, has the guide. Every one of us. Every one of us. But we have to listen, don't we? Don't we have to follow? It's too easy to just be lazy. Just turn everything over to, oh yeah, turn it over to the experts. There's a lot of things we don't know. I don't know everything about electricity. I don't know everything about plumbing. But I know somebody who does. I know the Holy Spirit. Phyllis knows the Holy Spirit. And if the Spirit of God checks us about something, we trust Him more than any expert. And we'll say, hey, hey, we got a check. And it's amazing how time after time the so-called experts thought, well, that's right, ain't it? Well, of course it's right if the Holy Ghost says it was right. <laughs> the enemy is always trying to sneak in. I know it's tiring. I know you don't like thinking about it, but it's just the way life is. He's always trying to sneak in and get a place and steal here and rob here and take this away and cause you problems here. He's always trying to. But he's not bigger than God. The greater one, the smarter one, the wiser one lives inside us, right? And if we'll listen, he will protect us every step of the way. And we're, our main thing is not having a ton of money and stuff. That's not our biggest goal in life. But what God's called us to do requires a lot of provision. And it is the will of God that if we'll follow him, how many believe we will have everything we need for the top notch and the best and surplus. We'll have that. We're supposed to have that. You're supposed to have that. I'm supposed to have it. The church is supposed to have it. Hmm, hmm, hmm. You need to say it again. Running over. Running over. Running over. Psalm 112, verse 1. This psalm, not very long, it is the psalm about the blessed man, the blessed woman. Praise ye the Lord. Blessed is the man that fears the Lord, that delights greatly in his commandments. Talking about you. His seed shall be mighty upon the earth. The generation of the upright shall be blessed. Is this the blessed man song? Wealth and riches. Am I reading the Bible? Am I reading the Bible? Wealth and riches shall be in his house. Oh, you need to say that out loud, real strong. Wealth and riches shall be in my house. Thank you, Lord. I know some religious folk don't like that. The devil don't like it either. Because of what follows in the next verse. What does a righteous man do with all this wealth and this riches? He doesn't just stockpile it and hoard it and say, man, you got it made the rest of your life. What do you imagine follows? Verse 4. Until the upright there arises light in the darkness. He is what? He is gracious and he is full of compassion and he is righteous. And what happens because of it? He shows favor 
And he lends. That word means gives. He guides his affairs though with what? He doesn't just dole it out indiscriminately. As the Lord adds to you. And people find out about it. Sometimes they will try to get you to give to them. You need to be led with everybody. Including family. Because you are not your own. And if everything under your hand. You are a steward of. In all your ways. Acknowledge him. What did he say he would do? Now if he directs you different than you thought he would. Do you need to obey him? What if somebody cries and pulls on you? See, these can be tricks of the enemy. I've seen it. I've seen it. To where people, a friend or a family member, begged and begged and begged. and They had no intention of straightening up and doing right. And so they gave them their money that they really didn't have. And I mean the next day or the next week, here came something they were supposed to do for the kingdom with that money. And they don't have it. So what happened? They were stolen from. The devil stole it from them. And they let him. I know it can be hard on your soul. I know things can pull on you and tug on you. And of course your flesh pulls on you. Right? (laughs) He guides his affairs what? With discretion. He's led. He has wisdom. Keep reading. Surely. He shall not be moved forever. He or she is strong, aren't they? The righteous shall be in everlasting remembrance. Keep reading. He'll not be afraid of bad news, including on the financial news. His heart is what? Fixed. He knows who his source is. He's trusting in the Lord. Keep reading. His heart is established. He shall not be afraid till he sees his desires upon his enemies. His enemies come, try to steal from you, mess you up, and you won't listen to him. And you'll be strong, and you'll just laugh at him later while God's pouring the blessing through you. And other people's needs are getting met and getting helped. You didn't waste it on the wrong thing. And when the right thing comes, you're ready. You're able. You've got it. Can you say amen? He's dispersed. He's given to the poor. He must have had something. His righteousness endures forever. His horn shall be exalted with honor. Somebody say glory to God. God. Other people will see it. Make them mad. Be grieved. They'll gnash with their teeth. They can't stand that prosperity message. (laughs) But they'll melt away and the desire of the wicked shall perish. How many would say I'm a blessed man? That's my psalm. Right? Stand on your feet, everybody. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Oh, just lift up your hands. Tell the Lord that you, you believe in Him. You believe His words. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Phyllis, would you come, please? I want us to pray a prayer. I want to lead you in a prayer. The scripture said, if any man lacks wisdom, what can he do? Ask of God and what will happen? 
He'll give it to you liberally and won't upbraid you because you didn't know, because you messed up. And it'll be given him. But let him ask in faith. Nothing wavering. So close your eyes. Say it out loud. Father God. I'm convinced. You're the God of abundance. You're the God of increase. Shortages. Lack. Are not your will. Your will is abundance. Your will is surplusage. Forgive me, forgive us for any time we did not put you first, any time we didn't ask you, we just got involved in things, we committed to things that became a drain on our resources, things you never told us to do, things if we'd have asked you. You'd have told us not to get involved with. We're asking for mercy. We're asking for help. We're asking for wisdom. To discern. To know. And grace to be strong. To do your will. I'm not my own master. Money's not my master. Things are not my master. Other people are not my master. I have one master. You are my master. Hallelujah. And I will serve you. And by your grace. I'll be a good soldier. On active duty. And I say not my idea. Not my will. But your will. Be done. In Jesus' name. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.